be back. I hope you got a good night's sleep and you're ready to go. And I hope you brought your priorities with you. How many of you have your priorities in mind and you have, how many of you have your hand with you? I mean, you all have that. So you remember your priorities, which are what? Uh, this was just last night, okay? I just, I, I, so let's get, let's get warmed up here. What is it? Me, uh, and isn't it sad, but true, the world has it upside down. It, it has me first, then my, my work for me, so I can buy things for me, and church only if church helps my work. In other words, if I can make some contacts and uh, you know, sell some people within the church or whatever, you know, do a networking job on them, then maybe church. And family, oh, who needs family? You know, if this one doesn't work, I just get another one, and it's, just, it's all for me, though. It's for my pleasure. It's for my gain. And down with God. And that's the problem in our society today, because we've said down with God, where the Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, and sin is a reproach to any people, and we need to keep our priorities right. Now, I, I have to apologize to everybody, because you may have not stayed for apple and pie. Uh, and I'm not apologizing because I ate so much apple and apple pie and, and ice cream and all that good stuff, but I didn't give the last A of the three A's. How many of you were here and heard the last A of the three A's because you stayed for apple pie and ice cream? You stayed, okay, so uh, let's say them together. What's number one? Allow, oh, excuse me, I was all wrong. I was just checking. What's number one? Accept people where they are. Accept people where they are. Number two, here's allow. Allow the Holy Spirit the opportunity to work. And number three, agree to disagree agreeably. And uh, that's probably one of the most difficult ones for us sometimes because we know we're right. And uh, hey, uh, every one of us has to decide for ourselves how we're going to take the Word of God and live it. We all need to live it. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 2.15 says, Those that are spiritual judge all things. So if you're a spiritually-minded Christian, you will judge everything. We may come to some different conclusions of where we end up, uh, but we all should be evaluating things from a biblical perspective. That's our responsibility. Now, if you turn to Genesis chapter 2 this morning, Genesis chapter 2, last night it was apple pie and ice cream to get me finished. Today it's brunch. You have smart folks here. I don't know. Do you have lunch planned, too, after that to get me done? Uh, no, no. So I guess I'll just have to see if I can really discipline myself. But, uh, and tomorrow, you know, they have another lunch. And so it's just uh, amazing how uh, I've passed the Cochran family's known our family for some time. So you probably got some inside scoop from somebody to know. You want to get Dad done? Here's how you do it, man. Just uh, feed him. It'll take care of it. So, but Genesis chapter 2 we said the first institution established by God was the home and the family, and here it is, and I'm just going to read a few verses, and then we're going to make some comments about the foundation. Because remember when I said family is the number one priority, within the family, what's the number one priority? The marriage, the relationship between the husband and the wife. That's the foundational priority within the family. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. 
for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. And all the men said, uh, is your wife here with you this morning? You need a louder amen than that. If that's, if your wife, maybe your wife's not here, you say, I don't have to say it. But you know, this is a chance for you to encourage your wife. I, by the way, ladies, I have a whole session with them to try to work on them a little bit. To, so pray for me, okay? And pray for them. I think my wife will be telling you what you ought to be doing and praying for them. But I'll give you another chance, men. The, the Lord said it's not good for man to be alone. Amen. Boy, I really amen that. I'm so thankful my wife can even be with me here. She doesn't always get to travel with me, and so it's wonderful when she can be with me. And so he says, I will make him, now notice this, ladies, a help meet for him. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. Sometimes people will put that word together, help meet, but it's two words. It's a helper that's just right, compliments him, and and helps him where he needs help. And by the way, the ladies would say amen to this, but please don't. We men do need help. Don't look at it. It is true. And uh, I guess the men, we could all say amen again, because we, un we should understand how much help we need and how wonderful it is to have a helper that comes alongside. And so out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken for man made he a woman and brought her unto man. And Adam said, whoopee, wow, she's beautiful. Now, not exactly, but how many of you men remember standing at the, uh, at the front of the church as your bride was standing at the back of the aisle or wherever you, out in the garden, wherever you got me. But you, you remember when all of a sudden there was your bride. How many of you remember that? that wow. I, you may not have said it out loud, but in your heart, didn't you go, wow. Praise the Lord. What, what God has done for me. And I hope you still have that attitude uh, about, I, I still just rejoice in the opportunity that I have to spend a life with Debbie and the life we've had together, and so grateful for the, the helper that God gave to me. He said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. This was before the fall, before sin entered into the world. And we go on and see about the fall and praise the Lord, hear about Jesus Christ prophesied even coming to defeat Satan, and we rejoice in all that. But what I want us to focus on here today is making sure we understand what a biblical marriage is. So first of all, we need to know the plan for the biblical marriage. What is God's plan for the biblical marriage? And it's given to us right here as we look at this, this section of Scripture, the plan for the biblical marriage. First of all, Fill in the blanks, one man for one woman. Do you, do you understand that? He, he made one woman for one man. So it's one man for one woman, one woman for one man. It's not one man with several women. What's that called? Polygamy. It's, it's, it's never been right. It's 
always been wrong. Never have been God's plan. God's plan. It's not one man for one man. What's that called? Homosexuality. And isn't it sad what's happened in our society where all of a sudden you know, homosexual weddings are accepted? And did you notice that even in the Catholic Church, now obviously we have a lot of disagreements with the Catholic Church, but the Pope came out and said, okay, it's against the doctrine for homosexuals to get married. Uh, our official doctrine is one man for one woman, but it's okay for priests to now bless a homosexual relationship. God help us. That's, that's where we are in our world today. And how tragic it is, it's not God's plan, it's one man for one woman. God created woman and brought, him to, brought her to him, to the man, so that they, we create a home. So one man for one woman. Number two, you are to leave father and mother. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife. In other words, you have established a new home. When uh, Nathan and Karis were married right here in this church, uh, as soon as they said, I do, and, and uh, I had the privilege of pronouncing them husband and wife, as soon as I did, guess what? Before God, a new home was established. And it's time to leave father and mother and go to Kansas. <laughs> uh, I, and I know, Paul, I see um, we, you, you're in Kansas and Matt's in Hong Kong, so he's a lot farther away than you, even though it seems like a long distance for you to go see Karis and those grandbabies, I understand, but Hong Kong's a lot further. And, and sometimes it can be a problem if you don't leave father than mother. Now, you could leave father and mother by going to Decatur. You could leave father and mother by staying right in Huntsville. It's not a location that we're really talking about. It's who determines what in the household. You are no longer responsible to what your parents say. Remember the verse that you taught your children in the delivery room? Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. It's done. It's no longer. There's now a new household established, and the new household needs to make the decisions for the home. And sometimes problems can be created because mommies and daddies feel like they still have control over son or daughter. You don't. We don't. We, we can be the counselors, still be counselors, and I'm thankful that all of my grown sons and now even some of my grandchildren, they... They want my counsel. They want what I think. But the Bible says in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. You don't do it because daddy says it. You do it because God says it. And you get a multitude of counselors from listening to a lot of people. And sometimes they might make a decision contrary to what I would think. And that's okay. Now, because it's their household. And I need to let them to establish a new household. I have actually had to uh, counsel some couples when I was in Kansas City to leave Kansas City and get farther away from parents because no matter how much they tried, the parents wouldn't stay out of their business. And it created tension between the husband and wife. Listen, it's a new household, and in this marriage, this family, the marriage relationship is the most important relationship. 
And you need to make sure that you're looking to your wife for counsel. You're looking to your husband for counsel. You're not looking and saying, well, whatever mom and dad say, and if you don't believe, agree with my mommy, then I, I'm upset with you. If you don't agree with my daddy, I'm upset with you. No, we, ha we establish a no new home. So leave father and mother. And then it says cleave unto your spouse. So number three, the two become one flesh. The two become one flesh. Obviously, in that physical relationship, we know there's that unity that is formed. But what God is saying, we're no longer two, we are one. Uh, we're no longer two, we're one. Oh, I know we're two individuals still, but we're one unit, and we should seek to be one in spirit. One in decision-making. Uh, we'll talk about the role of the husband and the role of the wife in just a moment. But you know what I desire in our household? Consensus. Have you ever heard of it? Agreement. I want to make sure that uh, what, what uh, we are doing together is a we decision, not a me decision. It's interesting. That's what I wanted in the business world when I was a business manager. I wanted consensus amongst the group. Uh, that we were on the right track. That's what I wanted as a pastor with assistant pastors. I wanted consensus. And I know you don't always get it, and sometimes somebody has to make a final decision, and if you're the leader, you have to make that final decision. But in your process, you should be seeking to have a one-flesh relationship, a one-spirit relationship, a one-person decision relationship. I told you that I surrendered to the ministry at uh, Fox Valley Baptist Church in, um, in Dundee, Illinois. But three years earlier, I had considered that possible. Remember I told you that uh, I went forward and said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I was in Indianapolis, Indiana and a, at a little Grace Brethren Church, and, and I made that decision. I started teaching there. Actually, the pastor let me preach one time. I even said to him, maybe this is what God wants me to do. And so I talked to my wife about it to see if she was interested, and uh, guess what? It wasn't on the top of her list. She is, uh, you know, we were fairly newlyweds. We had three little boys that we're trying to take care of. She even told me, I don't know if this was a threat or not, but she told me she dropped a, a boy in high school because he was going to be a preacher. So I don't know if that was a divorce threat or not, but I at least listened very carefully and said, boy, and I had a wise pastor that said, listen, don't leave the business world and go into the ministry unless your wife is supportive of it. I've given that counsel to a lot of different people through the years. And so you know how we men are, right? You ladies aren't this way, but we men, I, I said, well, that's, I'll never go into the ministry because she'll never change, right? It's kind of the way we can be sometimes. He'll never change. She'll never change. They'll never change. With God, all things are possible. And three years later, after I'd taken the promotion into to, to Chicago, into Fox Valley Baptist Church and in the Martin Marietta Corporation, I came home from a church one day, and she said to me, she said, Carl, you're a good Sunday school teacher. And I said, well, thank you, hon. And she said, no, I mean, you're really a good Sunday school teacher. You know, you, I thought maybe she'd been to a ladies' retreat or something and came home and been told what to say and get, encourage her husband and all that. But then she started crying. And, uh, you know, when that happens, folks, you know, something's up. You know, men, don't believe it when your wife is crying and you ask her what's wrong and she says nothing. It's time for you to probe a little deeper. 
and pray a lot harder and uh, give a big hug and encourage. But she said to me, she said, Carl, if uh, you'd still be willing to go in the ministry, I'd go with you. Three years later, we hadn't talked about it because I was just saying, you know, Lord, if you ever want me to preach, you'll have to get my wife ready. Well, he got my wife ready that Sunday night. We went forward and told the pastor that we were surrendering to go into the He was shocked because I hadn't talked to him about it. I talked to the pastor down there in Indianapolis about it. And we had breakfast the next morning, and uh, he finally announced it on Wednesday night. He didn't announce it on Sunday night because he said, what's going on? Because I was actively involved in the church. I had grown, you know, this new church, this new Baptist church, and I was one of the faithful servants, faithful givers. And so he wanted to make sure I wasn't just having some sort of fit. But uh, we together said, we're going into the ministry. And uh, God has been so faithful as he led and directed us. That's your goal, is consensus. That's what you want. And just this last week, I had to tell somebody, I said, you just need to wait and pray and think and, and see if God might bring you to that consensus. If you don't have to make a decision and you don't have consensus, don't move forward. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Wait, I say. He'll strengthen your heart. Just wait on the Lord. And so make sure that you understand, sir, that your number one counselor is your wife. Didn't hear any amens. Oh, the pastor finally got an amen in there. You know, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, it's not good for you to be alone. You have a helper. And my wife knows me better than anyone else. I know sometimes that's dangerous, right? Because she can understand what motive might be there. But it's wonderful to have somebody that's one with you in spirit so that you can make you know, decisions that will be pleasing to the Lord. We decisions, not me decisions. And that's the thought here about this cleaving unto his wife. You be, the two become one flesh. And then remember, it's till death you do part. Jesus, when he quoted this in Matthew chapter 19, and you remember when they are talking about why was a writ of divorcement given and all this sort of thing? He said from the beginning it wasn't so. In other words, that's not God's will for divorce to take place. But you remember there was a civil government as, as well as a, a Jewish government, and, and, and they had to come deal with some of these situations that came up. And so they said it was for the hardness of your heart that it was given. Because what should we do? We should forgive. We should reconcile. But because sometimes that doesn't happen, there was given the writ of uh, divorcement. But Jesus said, what God hath joined together, can you finish it? Let not man put asunder. So that, that includes me, that includes my wife. We have never considered divorce. Murder a few times. <laughs> But we found out, by the way, there's something about murder in the uh, Bible, too. So maybe that won't, but, uh, but, you know, we've had our struggles like everybody else. That's just part of it. When you put two sinful people together, you have to work through difficulties together. But you have to work through them. Divorce is not what God desires. And it happens, and when it happens, we have to deal with it. And some of you have maybe been through it in the past. And, but... You know what the Apostle Paul said? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, young people, bear with me 
because I know that you can't answer this question yet. How many of you know who you're married to now? Now, young people, you don't yet, do you? Please don't, no, okay, good, thanks for shaking your head, no, okay. But how many of you that are married here know who you're married to right now? Put your hands up. Good, good. If make sure you know. Yeah. Well, guess what? If that person's here, would you grab their hand right now? Now, I know if you've got children in between, it could be an extension arm or whatever it takes here. But Okay, here's the commitment you ought to make. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness or in health, according to God's holy ordinance, until death we do part. Forget the past. I don't know what you've been through in the past. Put it under the blood. Aren't you glad for the forgiveness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for our sins? All of us have blown it in some way or the other. Maybe it isn't divorce in your past, but there's other things you've had to put under the blood. All I'm saying is, whoever you're married to now, be committed to stay with them until death you do part. That's God's plan. That's what he wants. Now, what are the purposes of marriage? What are the purposes of a biblical marriage. How many of you like to play games? And by the way, marriage is not a game, but I'm going to use an illustration. How many of you like, how many of you uh, know the goal of Monopoly? How many of you played Monopoly and you know the goal of Monopoly? Okay. How many of you have ever played Clue? How many of you ever played Clue? And you know, do you, how many of you know the goal of Clue. How many of you have ever played Settlers? Now, now we're getting down to serious business. Settlers. Okay, and have you, have you figured out the goal yet? It's not to kill each other in the midst of the game. That's one of the goals for me. Keep my family together as we're playing and not everybody get upset because they wouldn't trade with them or whatever else. But, you know, what's the goal of the game? How many of you have ever played b basketball? How many of you know the... I'm from Indiana, remember? You put it in the hole, that's the goal of the game. I remember needing to move from Greenville, South Carolina, where I did my doctoral studies to get my boys out of soccer country. You know, down there they played soccer in the spring, they played soccer in the fall, they played soccer in the summer, they played soccer, 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 soccer. Now, I don't know, do any of you play soccer? You know what I'm talking about, soccer? that boring game where all you do is just run back and forth on the field, back and forth. Yeah, it, it, guess what? It's got a different goal, different goal than basketball, right? In basketball, I want to catch the ball and I want to put it in the hole. Unless I'm the goalie in soccer, if I understand it right, you're not supposed to hit it with your hands. That's a hands ball. Am I, am, am, I know I'm, I'm a novice in all the soccer stuff. My boys are, boy, they... Love it. And I found out it's okay. You can play soccer and you can play basketball if you're my sons, not me. <laughs> Keep me to basketball, all right? That's where I want to stay. But all I'm saying is illustrations. For you to accomplish something in a game, you have to know the goal of the game. What's the, what, what's the responsibility? My coach would say, Carl, when you get it in the, in the post, put it in the hole. Now, how many of you know what the post is? Okay, well, we'll talk later if you don't. We'll figure this all out. But... When you get it down in the post, you know, this was before the three-point play. I know now sometimes you get it in the post, you throw it back out, and you cut in and out so you can get that three. We, we didn't have three-point plays. The only way you got a three-point play was to take a fake and go up through somebody's arms 
and then they hit you on the hand, and then you hit the foul shot, and you get a three-point play. I know they're getting soft in these uh, new days with all this stuff. But, but the, you know the goal. Well, guess what? We need to know the goals of marriage so that we can fulfill those goals. And we need to make sure we know what God's goals are for marriage. Why is it the first institution established? Why, why is it? Well, first he said it's not good. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing you men for another opportunity. He said it's not good for man to be alone. Oh, fast learners, ladies. I think we have hope here. I think we're going to be all right. You know, it's, so companionship, the first purpose, the purpose of companionship, being together, encouraging one another, edifying one another, praying one with another, ministering one with another. It's companionship. It's the opportunity to be together. Well, then why do we work so hard at not being together? You say, what are you talking about? Our schedules are crazy. We have to... We have to work in our schedules to make sure that we have some time together. Uh, we, that's why I mentioned, remember, the first responsibility in the family is the marriage, because if you're not spending time together while you have your kids going every which way and every direction, when the kids all leave, then you're starting to say, well, now i got to figure out how to get back together. That's what babysitters are for. That's one of the good reasons to learn how to leave without leaving. Are you back to point? If you can have some grandparents that can let you go, but they'll at least take care of your kids so you can be together with your spouse. I mean, that could be a, a positive thing if you can learn those lessons because you need time just to, together as a couple. Um, you need to plan some date nights, you need to plan some excursions. In a busy pastorate that my wife and I were in, we were in Kansas City, we tried to plan a getaway every quarter where we'd leave on Thursday and come back on Saturday, and it was just the two of us. And we'd have uh, somebody watch the children as they got older and they were in their teenage years, and we could leave them by themselves. But we, we wanted to make sure we had together time. You, you need to, to plan that together time. Because one of the purposes is companionship. We drove here and drove back, and by the way, that was so nice to be able to drive instead of having, you know, go to the airport, go through security, do all the stuff that sometimes you have to do. But one of the reasons we like driving places is it's just the two of us together. And we get to have some companionship time. We get to have some planning time. We make some phone calls sometimes and on the speaker there and, and talk to people and, and find out what's going on in their lives. And uh, in, enjoy being together. Plan to have times together. Number two is the purpose of children. Look what it says in chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Um, I was glad that uh, Nathan and Karis are fulfilling the biblical command to be fruitful. And Paul, I'm trying to put this all together. You can help me now. They've been married how long? So two every three years would be a pretty good fruitful and multiplying, wouldn't it? That, that would, uh, 
I don't know. I haven't talked to them about their plans or anything else. But here's all I'm saying. We need Christians having children and raising them for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Muslims are doing it. And they're taking over countries. Taking over cities even in the United States of America. But then we sometimes have this idea we can't afford more children. Children are a heritage from the Lord. They're a blessing. We're to have our quivers full. You say, yeah, but I know there's different size of quivers. So don't be careful. I, I understand that. And God has a plan for everyone. And even sometimes it's not God's plan for somebody to have their own children and they adopt children. Praise the Lord for that. But we need we need marriages producing children, raising children for the Lord Jesus Christ. This means that who's responsible for the training of children? Who were children giving to? Were they given to the government? Were they given to the church? Who were they given to? Who's responsible for those children to, to not only bring them into the world, but to, to raise them for, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Who's responsible? That's right. It's our responsibility as parents, and grandparents, keep your finger here, but go over to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Because I want you to notice you're not done yet. Most of you probably already know that, but just in case you need a verse, Deuteronomy 6, 7 is a great verse for parents and teach them to thy children. But look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9. Only take heed to thyself, keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them to thy sons and thy, your grandchildren. So when you are watching those grandchildren for your children, don't ruin them. Teach them the things of the word of God Teach them the things that their parents want you to teach them, and hopefully if you raise them properly, it's the same, same things that you want to teach them. Make sure and continue to discipline them properly for your children. So it's not like, oh boy, i got to retrain my kids when I take them back from Nana and Papa's house. We're all in this process together. Here's the bottom line. Children are, is a family matter. I have gotten so upset. Many of you know that I work in Washington, D.C. with Advance USA, and I go up there on a, on a monthly basis and try to help encourage different people. And by the way, you're, one of your reps right here from Alabama, uh, Representative Adderholt, has become you know, head of the Values Action Team there in Congress. And a great guy. I've gotten to know him and, and uh, just so thankful for what he's doing with that committee that deals with these moral issues and everything else that's going on. But have you heard recently... And this whole transgender confusion, that we have to take children away from parents because they're ruining kids by not letting them transgender. And after all, you listen for this, there are children. There are children. They're claiming as government, there are children. No, they're not. They're God's gift to parents. And we have the responsibility to stand up and take responsibility for our children. Sadly to say, there's a lot of people that haven't. But oh, we as Christians, we need to understand that children are a heritage from the Lord. And one of the purposes of marriage is to produce children and to raise children. 
and take care of those children so we raise up another generation, as we read in Psalm 78 last night, generation to generation to generation. Why are we losing the battle? Oh, because of the Democrats. Oh, it's because of the Republicans. Oh, it's because of the Congress. No, it's because of the White House. No, it's because of the Supreme Court. No, it's because of parents. If we were raising generation after generation after generation, we'd be growing the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and not losing the battle. And I can't do anything about what other people do, but I can sure do something about what I do. And so can you. It's one of the purposes. And then number three, it, there's the purpose of support. I won't make you turn to it, but in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 8, it says, if you've not taken care of your own household, you uh, worse than an infidel, and you've denied the faith. Now, I understand that's talking specifically in regard to widows, but it gives us the biblical principle that the financial support in a household it needs to be handled by the family. The family is the responsible party. At least in our church, and I don't know how you function here, in our church, if there was a need in the family, uh, the first, first place we went to see if that need could be met was the family. I mean, the extended family. Because it's a family issue. Um, my wife has a 100-year-old mother, I told you about, that we are taking a lot of responsibility for because it's, it's a... She's part of our family, and remember, she let me stay, <laughs> and I'm thankful. But uh, we're the only Christians uh, uh, left in, in her family, her side of the family, and, and so uh, not only are we trying to reach the other people, but we're trying to take care of mom. That's why we, we live in Indiana versus uh, some of the beautiful spots of the world, like Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> uh, you, but you understand, we have a responsibility, and you have a responsibility, and it's our responsibility to take care of our family and to support our family. Remember, we work so we can take care of the Lord, but we also work so we can take care of the family. And that's a responsibility that we have, and that's a purpose. And then number four, there's the purpose of purity. Just look at it for yourself later, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. What? As the Apostle Paul says, hey, stay single so you can just serve the Lord. You don't have other responsibilities. Be like me and stay single. But if you can't contain yourself, it's better to marry than to burn. So I married. But not everybody needs to marry. God doesn't say that everybody should say married. I was the president of the American Association of Christian Schools for Ten years, and I thank the Lord for all the singles that I know were involved in the Christian school movement. Maybe you even have some uh, that are here in, in your school. But I'm talking about people ministering on the mission field. Everybody, Apostle Paul said, hey, it's a great, great opportunity to just focus on serving the Lord. But for many of us, maybe most of us, uh, we, we, we have a spouse. And we can fulfill each other's needs and, and minister to one another physically in the marriage bed because it is undefiled. No matter what the world has done to the beautiful one flesh relationship, and they have sure made it dirty. But it is not dirty. It's beautiful. It's God-ordained. And uh, by the way, without it, you don't have children. Am I telling you something you didn't know? You see, if we go to the way of the world right now and homosexual marriages and all this, guess what? It's extinction. It takes a man and a woman in a one-flesh relationship. And so 
It's, it's a purpose. It, it is a God-ordained purpose. And then number five, the purpose of example. The purpose of example. And I do want you to see this in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be spending time in Ephesians chapter 5 in our next session. My wife with the ladies and me with the men. But if you'll turn there, because at the end of this section in chapter 5 of Ephesians, he says in verse 31, the same phrase that we read in Genesis chapter 22, I mean Genesis chapter 2, the same phrase we read in Matthew chapter 19 from the lips of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, they shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. We are an illustration of Christ and the church the one relationship that we have in the body of Christ, with Jesus Christ. We're his bride as his, his people. And it's that oneness that there is in the body of Christ. We're the same thing for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as families, as couples, we should be an example to the world of Christ and his church and the, the wonderful unity there is between Christ and his church the wonderful purity there is in, with Christ and his church, the wonderful ministry there is with Christ and the church. We should be involved in the Lord's work together in companionship. As we raise our children, as we support our families, as we minister in our homes and in our churches, we need to be an example be an example to the believers. And by the way, just throw this one in quickly. Aren't you glad God never divorces us? Just another illustration why I don't believe you should ever seek a divorce. It happens. I understand it happens. You can't control other people. But listen, God always forgives and we have to forgive. We have to work through things in our relationship with God, right? Don't you? I'm, I'm still not sinless. What about you? I still have those struggles. I still have those battles. And I, I'm thankful that he's so long-suffering long with me. You know, forgives and forgives and forgives. Well, why can't we do the same thing in our families? We need to forgive even as he's forgiven. That's why I like Ephesians 4.32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Well, quickly, let's look at the people that are involved, and this will kind of take us right into our next section. First of all, the husband is the loving leader. Look what it says in verse uh, uh, 24 and 25. Therefore, as the church is subject in Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Well, verse 23, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and he's the savior of the body. Then verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now let me ask you a question. When, when did Jesus Christ give himself for us? When we were lovely or unlovely? Romans 5, 8, God commends his love toward us and then while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Right? So when do we really prove our love to our wives? 
when they're lovely, like they are most of the time, or when they're not so lovely as happens once in a while. You know, I mean, maybe not with your wife, but my wife will test me once in a while just to see if I'm still going to love her as Christ loved the church, and so be as congenial, kind, loving, maybe a little irritable, unreasonable, and, you know, uh, very rarely does this happen in the Herbster household, but listen, that, that's reality. You know, things, things happen. And that's when I really show if I really love my wife as Christ loved the church. Now, I'm going to talk more to your husbands about this, and so I'm not asking you to give them a test this afternoon to see if they learned how to love the unlovely wife, all right? Because you have a higher authority than your husband, God, <laughs> and he wants you to be lovely all the time. But I know you won't be. I know I won't be. I know my wife won't be. We have to work together as sinners, but we're sinners saved by grace. Now, the wife is the submissive helper. And he says, therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. And remember, we're going to make decisions together, so we're not just talking about that, okay, our decisions. What we're talking about is how does your husband want you to help him? Because sometimes wives want to help husbands where they don't want to be helped, and wives don't want to help husbands where they do want to be helped. And if, if you really want to help your husband, pray for him. Really pray for him. Communicate so that you know, okay, what is it that's really important? Now, my wife is going to communicate with you and, and give you some general things, but, you, you know, that's where we have to talk with one another. How can I love you better, hon? Well, well how can I uh, help you more? Uh, and we have those communications as we're in that companionship, as we're in that one flesh relationship. Each should serve the other. Each should serve the other because, remember, Jesus didn't come to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. We're here to minister one to another. One of the books that I mentioned in the bibliography is Jim Benning's book the, 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 uh, uh, on marriage when he talks about the, what's, what's the real purpose of marriage. What's it all about? What's the, what's the secret to it? it it's, it's the serving one another. It's serving one another. And if I'm seeking to serve my wife and she's ser ser seeking to serve me and we're both seeking to serve the Lord, you ever seen the triangle illustration? Then we're getting closer together. But if the world's down here, God's a, the, the more we're trying to serve ourselves and, and get caught up in the world, the farther it drives us apart. So it's, the key is service. Serving the Lord and serving each other. And then... The boys and girls are gone, I know, but uh, I taught them their role because I told them this is a family conference, and so I taught them their role, and they've come up and told me. I haven't checked with some of them. Their, their role is to be the respectful obeyer. The children are the respectful obeyers. You say, not in my household, they're not. <laughs> well, again, they're in the process, but that's the goal. And I tried to help you in chapel by helping them to understand that's their responsibility before God. But we'll talk more about that in Sunday school tomorrow as well as we talk about building up our children on, on the Word of God. So marriage is the foundation. It's the number one priority in the number one priority. And we need to work on it. 
And so after we have uh, some good things to eat, we're going to get together, the men with me and the, the ladies with my uh, wife, and we're going to talk some more about uh, how do we fulfill these roles that God has given us. How do we practically take these truths and live them out each day in our homes with our families? Father, thank you for the time together this morning, for the attention of everyone here. And I'm so thankful that we can have your, your direction from your word on how we can have the families, the homes, the marriages you want us to have. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. All right. I'll give a few instructions here. Men, if you want to bring your Bible and your notebook, um, we're going to stay in the gym for the next session. And then the ladies, um, well, you can leave your stuff in here. They'll come back in here. Uh, the instruction for the food, there are two lines. I like there were last night. So when we go into the gym, you can go down this, this side of the gym or this side of the gym and, and come from the, uh, the far end down there so they can come and meet in the middle. So that's how the lines will form. Um, on the right side of the gym, I believe, is the drinks. And then on the left side of the gym are, uh, is the coffee. And so if you specifically want to go straight there first and then go find your seat, you're welcome to do that. Uh, ladies will serve you, so the ladies will be in line behind. And so we'll just come through. There's, uh, uh, as you go through, the ladies will serve. And uh, we're going to go ahead and pray for the, the meal as we have here. And, uh, uh, and I appreciate all the ladies who spent time uh, early this morning here uh, cooking and, and making that prepared for us. So we're going to say a prayer and then we'll be dismissed as you go in there. Father, thank you for the time this morning that uh, we can just be reminded again from uh, the early pages of the book of Genesis of our, our purpose, our goal, uh, what your plan is uh, for the home and uh, how we fulfill that plan and that purpose. And uh, Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we think about some of these things today and uh, even uh, in the further session uh, that is uh, split today, would you just encourage us how we can uh, be submissive to, to that direction and uh, pursue that goal of being Christ, a Christ-honoring home. Bless the food as uh, we uh, fellowship and eat this morning. It'll be a great uh, blessing. Thank you for the ladies who put so much time in it and, and effort, and uh, we show that gratitude today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.